0: This morning, I'd like to start by asking you uh, those questions from the beginning and having you think about them. You don't have to raise your hand and shout them out. You don't have to even write them down if you don't want to. But sit and ponder them for a second. Those four questions were this. Where did you come from? Why are you here? What is good? And what happens to you when you die? Those are pretty heavy questions. It's it's not like I just asked you what you do last night. Uh, These questions are questions that people have been wanting to know for centuries. Whether you're religious or you're not, people have wanted to know the answers to these questions. And so religions across time have tried to answer them. Philosophers across time have tried to answer these questions because everyone wants to know them. People are searching for the answers to these questions. And where do the answers come from? Really, your worldview. How do you view the world? Through which lens are you viewing everything around you? Everybody has a worldview, everyone has a, a way you view the world, and it's impacted by our education our upbringing, it's impacted by the books we read, the media we take in, the news that we watch, and the cultural influence around us. All of that gets consumed into our bodies and, and into our minds, I should say, and impacts the way we view everything. And so my guess is, you may have to think about it a little bit, but you have answers for those four questions. And because these questions have such big implications for our life, we want to look at what the Bible has to say about them. We want to look at what a biblical worldview is. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to tackle these questions, and then the last one we're going to look at is, so now what? How do we respond to all this? And so today we're going to begin with that very first one. Where did we come from? Our souls are searching. Where did we come from? And we're going to look at that. Where did we come from? And what we're going to see is that the way the Bible answers that question makes you very special. It makes the people around you very special. And it has huge impact for our lives. And so for the series, we're looking at the very beginning. We're going to look at Genesis 2, 3, and 4 for the next five weeks. And we're going to look at a biblical worldview where we came from, why am I here, what is good, and what happens to me when I die. And so let's start we're in Genesis chapter 2 beginning with verse 4. Before we jump in, I'm sorry, let me back up a second. Genesis chapter 1, 30,000 feet creation. God said, let there be, and there was. We see the six days of creation. Boom, boom, boom. 30,000 feet, here's what happened. Chapter 2, we have a lasered-in folks. We have a a microscope microscope look at uh, day 6 and what happens there at the creation of mankind. So that's where we are. We're on day 6. Chapter 2, here's what we're told. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Let's stop right there. Like I said, this is day six. And I really want to emphasize this because of uh, verse uh, five here. Um, Some Bible commentators and some critics of the Bible will say, look, right away in Genesis chapter one and two, there's a contradiction here. Genesis one says that God creates vegetation on day three, but look at what verse five says. There's no shrub and no plant had yet sprung up on the earth. And so they say, well, Genesis 1 says that man was created on day 6, but in chapter 2 here, it's clear that there's no vegetation, so this had to take place on day 3. We've got a contradiction. It's really not that hard to to combat this. If you look at the rest of chapter 2, there are trees in the garden already. There's grass. What are the shrubs and the plants that Moses is talking about, whom God wrote this through? He's talking about the crops. The crops that a farmer like Adam, and that was his job, would cultivate. There's no barley, there's no wheat, there's no corn, because there's nobody to do that work yet. There's vegetation, the grass, the trees that are producing uh, fruit, but there's no plants because there's no farmer to work the field. But it's in this beautiful garden where God has his own irrigation system plugged in, where water just comes up and waters the ground with beautiful trees, with beautiful grass, that God creates man. And notice how he does it. He doesn't say, let there be, but rather, God gets his hands dirty. He takes that soil, that nice dark soil with no rock. No sand in it. It's just that great dirt. And he forms man. It's not too wet, so it's mud. It's not too dry, so it's dust. God feels the coolness of that dirt in his hands, and he forms man. He does so like a potter forms clay, molding man, shaping man, until he's just right. And man is Adam. That's what the Hebrew word for man is. Adam. So Adam literally means man. Adam's name was man. Adam. Taken from, ground, from the dirt, Adamah. Which, that's the Hebrew word for dirt. God forms man. It's the crown of His creation, the crown jewel of God's masterpiece. God doesn't just speak Him into existence, he forms him. Different than the angels. Different than animals. Different than the sun, moon, and stars. God simply spoke them into being, but God forms man. Like a potter forms clay. But then God does something different than, with man than he did the animals and everything else. He breathes into him the breath of <laughs> Of life. God not only gives him a body, but he gives him a soul. He gives him consciousness, awareness, realization. He, he gives him feelings, emotions. And when God breathes into him the breath of life, Adam's open, Adam opens his eyes, and the very first thing he sees, God. This is the crown of creation. Different than everything else. Perfect. Created to have that perfect special relationship with God. And though Adam was perfect, though he's the crown of God's creation, he was missing something. Or someone. And that's what we're told. God takes care of the problem. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, He took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. God knows that Adam's not good alone, and so he creates Eve. How? He takes a rib from Adam, performs the first surgery, and he creates Eve. But the Hebrew word is he builds Eve. Adam, he forms like a potter. Eve, he builds like a home builder, making sure that every piece is just right, just in place the way he wants it. And like a home builder or a a school and church builder gets done with the building, he steps back and looks and says, ah, she's perfect, beautiful. You see, human beings are special. Adam and Eve were special, different than the rest of creation, because God made them. Hands-on created them. He didn't speak them into existence. They weren't some cells that just happened to evolve over time. They're not a higher form of animal. They they didn't uh, reincarnate from a previous life. God made them. That's why human beings are special. And that is why you are special. That's your first point today. You are special because God made you. You are part of God's creation, part of that special being, the human race that God created by hand. You aren't just some lump of cells. You aren't just a higher form of an animal. You are God's special creation that He hands-on made. But wait a minute. You weren't made directly from the ground. You weren't taken directly from a, a guy's rib. You were born the natural process. Yes. But look at what Psalm 139 says. For you created my inmost being... You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God spent eight to nine months knitting you together in your mother's womb. You see, God's not a hands-off God. There's a a thing going around in Christian circles, a belief called theistic evolution where God just got everything started and then it just evolved over time. No, no, look what Psalm 139 says. God is hands-on even today knitting you together in your mother's womb. He doesn't just back off and let things happen. He is a hands-on God who created You. This is why the human race is so special. Because God made us. He made us by hand as His special creation. And as we live here in the 21st century, people are recognizing that there is something different about the human race. Why do you think there's such a big push for equality, for fairness? That no matter what race, what age, what gender, no matter your mental capacity, there is a push that everyone is special, everyone should be treated fairly. Why? Because the human race is special, right? Do you know what culture can't answer though? The why. They know that the human race is special. They know that each person is special and should be treated fairly. But why? Why? They can't answer it. But they know that the human race is special. And they try to prove that. And people try to prove that they're special. How? Well, if you remove God from the equation, one of two ways. One, outward. I try to fit in. I try to fit in in my social circles. I want to fit in in the family. I want to fit in at church. I want to fit in with that group of people. And if I can fit in, that proves that I'm special. It makes me special if I fit in. The other way is inward. I look to myself. What sets me apart from everybody else? What do I feel that makes me different from other people? I'm, I'm going to be individualistic and that's what makes me different. And if you want to see this worldview on display, all you have to do is watch Sesame Street. There's a Sesame Street episode from two, three years ago uh, where Muppet Murray is interviewing kids and he asks them the question, what makes you special? And you know what each kid said? something that they did. There was one girl on there who said, I can count to ten in Mandarin. Another girl was figure skating. One boy was beatboxing. Uh, Another boy said, I'm kind and I have a dog. And and that's cute. And what's the big harm in it? It's just a, a question, right? Well, it's teaching the kid to look for their specialness because of what they do because of what they feel. It's turning inward and it's shaping their worldview that they're special because of what they can do and accomplish. But if you remove God from the equation, does anyone matter? If you remove God from the equation, Is the human race special? Then we're just a clump of cells, aren't we? That have mutated over time. If you remove God from the equation, then what is it? It's a dog-eat-dog world, and the strongest should survive. Honestly, if we remove God from the equation, There should be no human rights discussions because there's no basis for it. It should be the strongest survive. You see, the world knows that that's not right. Our culture knows that that's not right. And that's why there's this big push that everyone is special, a big push that human beings are special no matter who you are. And they're right, they just don't know why. But we do. It's not because of what you can do outwardly. It's not because of what's inward, but because of what's upward. Our God has knit each and every one of us together in our mother's womb. Our God created the human race, the crown jewel of His creation. Our God has formed us and given us a soul, created us in His perfect image. That's what makes the human race special. And that's why you are special. Because God knit you together in your mother's wombs. Hands-on made you. But there's one more reason why we're special. Adam and Eve were God's crown jewel of creation, created to be perfect, created to have this perfect relationship with Him. They woke up and they walked and they talked with God and they threw it all away. They threw it all away. And if you were God and and I were God, I think we would throw them away. I think we would scrap them and start over. Just like God made them, He could easily get rid of them, but He didn't. He showed that the human race was different and special. He shows that you and I are different and special by not just creating us, but redeeming us. And that's your next point. You are special because God redeemed you. We, just like Adam and Eve, have ruined that relationship with God when we sin, And we do sin. We sold ourselves to sin, giving ourselves over to it. And, and God could have just let us go, but we are special to Him. So special that He redeemed us. He bought us back. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God redeemed you. God redeemed the human race, not with gold or silver, but with the holy, precious blood of Christ. His own Son, He gave up for you. Think about this for a second. God didn't redeem the animals. God didn't even redeem the angels. But he redeemed you. Because that's how special you are to Him. Because the human race is special to Him. We are the crown of His creation, created to have this relationship with Him, and He is going to have it, even if He has to redeem us by the blood of His own Son. And that's exactly what He did for you and me. He saved us from the empty way of life handed down from our ancestors. We don't have to search around wondering where I came from and who I am. We know. We are God's special creation. And he proved it. Because not only has he created us, but he redeemed us through Jesus. Think about that for a second. Jesus, God's own son, has the most special place in heaven. Special place in all creation. He's God. And yet he emptied himself of it all to shed His blood on the cross, that He might redeem us, to buy us back from sin, so that you and I might be special, not just today, but for eternity, to have that special place in heaven forever next to God's right hand. I'm sorry. Jesus is by God's right hand. <laughs> we can be next to God, though. We'll be in heaven with God forever because of Jesus. That is how special you are. Think of how this impacts you on a day-to-day basis. Think of how it improves the way you look at yourself and and your self-esteem. It doesn't really matter if you fail here in this world. It doesn't matter if you're a success in the world's eyes. You are special because you're God's. Because He created you and redeemed you. Imagine how this impacts your relationships with other people. Imagine how it impacts the way you view your spouse, your kids, the people you meet throughout the day. They were created by God too. They were redeemed by Jesus as well. They are special, just like you are special, because God created them and redeemed them. And so this is what we want to do every single day we want to wake up and remind ourselves exactly where we came from imagine if we started our day with that we woke up and reminded ourselves I was created by God and redeemed by him that's what makes me special today and then what if we, we reminded ourselves that the same is true for our spouse The same is true for our kids and everyone around us. Imagine the outlook we would have on everyone else as we go throughout the day if we woke up reminding ourselves God created them and redeemed them as well. This is where we came from. This is the biblical worldview and it adds specialness to each individual person. This is why, yes, we want human rights because everyone was created in God's image. Everyone was redeemed by Jesus. Everyone is special because we all came from God and were redeemed by Him. Let this influence our lives not just today but forever. Start telling your kids that they are special because God created them and redeemed them. Let this wor- be our worldview, and everything will make sense. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we praise and we thank you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit us together in our mother's wombs, and here we are, your creation, handmade by you. Not only were we made by you, but you loved us so much that you redeemed us with the blood of your only Son, Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you that you prove that we are special in your sight uh, through Jesus. And now we ask that you help us to see everyone else with that same specialness. That they are special because the same applies to them. Help us view ourselves this way and let this be our motivation for our esteem every single day. Let this be uh, the motivating factor for the way we treat others and the way we uh, interact with others uh, because they are special too because of who they are and where they came from. Be with us today. Continue to help us to grow in this truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Part of the privilege in Christian worship is that uh, we say a statement of faith. We call a creed. And today we're going to say the nice...